Today's Bible reading comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. As Jesus walked back out onto the road, a man ran up to him all alone, fell on his knees and asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? Nobody is good except one. God, do you know the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not commit fraud, honour your mother and father. The man affirmed, yes, teacher, I have kept all these things since my childhood. Jesus looked at the man and loved him. He said to him, you lack one thing. Go, whatever you have, sell it and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. The man's face fell at what Jesus had to say and he went away sad and distressed for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, See how hard it will be for those who have money to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words. But in reply, Jesus said again, Children, see how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. At this, the disciples were even more amazed and said to themselves, And who was able to be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible. But not with God, for all things are possible with God. Peter began saying to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus assured him, I tell you the truth. There isn't anyone who has left household or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel, who hasn't then received a hundred times as much now in this life households, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Hi, I want to say a special welcome uh, to you this morning if you're joining us. My name's Langdon. I'm really privileged this morning uh, to bring us this passage from Mark. We've been going through Mark's gospel, but I know this morning, uh, or whenever you're watching uh, the live stream, that you know we've had some news, we've gone into lockdown, and for many of us here, that's going to cause a bit of anxiousness, make us feel a bit depressed, hard to focus. I'm so glad you tuned in this morning, and as we look at this passage, I just want to pray, and pray that God's going to put all those things out of our mind, just for this time, so we can see what God has for us in his word. So would you put your coffee down, whatever you're doing, and just pray with me as we look at God's word. Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, or wherever we're watching, with all the things going on, all the changes, Father, we ask that for this time you just help us to focus on your word, and I pray for your spirit to speak to us. Show us what it's saying. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, This is a time of lockdown, and it's a time where things get mixed up. Things get shaken up, and things aren't 
how we expect them to be. And we're going to see a bit of this in this passage that's just been read for us. Let's jump into the passage straight away. And as we do that, we're going to meet a man. Have a look with me in verse 17. Jesus walked back out onto the road. A man ran up to him alone, fell on his knees and asked, Teacher, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Here's this guy. We know from uh, later on in the passage, he's a wealthy guy. He's probably well-dressed. He's alone. And yet this guy runs up to Jesus, falls on his knees. He's urgent. He's desperate. There's something that he really wants to know. And, he, and what he wants is eternal life. He comes to Jesus just desperate. What must I do to have eternal life? This man, is, he's come to the right place. Of all the places he could have gone, he's come to Jesus. And he recognises that there is something in him that he doesn't have eternal life. And he thinks Jesus has the answer. As we look at this passage, we're talking about eternal life. We're going to uh, use the word saved or the kingdom of God. They're all interchangeable. This guy wants certainty of God now and into the future forever. And he's looking to Jesus to make that happen. He's seeking Jesus. And does that maybe just resonate with yourself or people you know or a place that you've been, that you've been in a place where you're seeking Jesus. You're, you're in a place where you're seeking God. I know there's got to be more and I really want to be sure about what's going to happen to me in eternity. I want to know that this is the right thing. I really want to know. And maybe even you've been come to church, you've been watching online, you're in that same space. I really, really want to know. This is where that man is, man is at. And instead of answering the question, Jesus asks him a question. Because Jesus notices that when the man came to him, he said to him, good teacher. So Jesus says to him, why do you call me good? Perhaps the man thinks he himself is good and Jesus is good, so two good men getting together, uh, he'll be able to, you know, Jesus will have the answer. Perhaps the man thinks that being good is what it takes to get eternal life. Or, does this man recognise who Jesus is? We've been going through Mark's Gospel. One of the questions that uh, Mark posed this idea of who is Jesus? Uh, is Jesus the Son of God? Jesus says, nobody's good except God. Is this Jesus saying, do you know who I am? I suspect the guy doesn't think he's necessarily the Son of God, but that's, that's the question. And Jesus reminds the man. He says, nobody is good except God. God alone. No one is good but God. This is a statement in itself. And I just want to pause here because this statement goes against our whole culture. Today, our culture, it values equality. It values validation for all. It values this basic concept that everybody is good. And Jesus, just getting in the front step with his guys, already saying, nobody's good. Just God is good. In fact, in Romans 3.10, uh, Romans says to us, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even, not even one. So coming to Jesus and saying, you know, on the basis of being good, 
expecting eternal life. That's not, that can't happen. We're, none of us is good. We're all inherently sinful. That's our core. We're not good. And Jesus is making it clear, even from the outset, this, this, this is not a factor in getting eternal life. So Jesus goes on with him. He says, do you know the commandments? Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not commit fraud, honor your father and mother. And the man affirmed, yes, teacher, I've kept all these things since my childhood. He's kept these number of commandments. And it's very interesting here when you read the passage what Jesus does. Because Jesus very well could have pushed back at this. Uh, it was not out of place in rabbinic teaching for people to actually say they could keep the whole law. You see Paul in Philippians uh, 3.6 talks about, you know, um, as for righteousness based on the law, he was faultless. It seems this guy actually believes that he has kept all these commandments. Now, did he? I would, you would imagine not, but Jesus doesn't seem to push back at him. I actually don't think this man was flexing or trying to show off. I actually think he believed that he kept the whole law. But Jesus doesn't push back. Jesus could have gone to town on him, but he doesn't. Here's my sense, as I've been looking at this passage this week. My sense is that this man knows there's more to being a good person or keeping the letter of the law to keep eternal life. I think this man has grown up. He has done, like he says in his trailer, I've done my best. I've kept the letter of the law. Maybe he senses there's something else he has to do. Maybe he has a deep sense of, I just, I'm not sure. I want to know I'm on the right path to get eternal life. But something in him has brought him to Jesus to seek that answer. That's why he's come to Jesus. That's why he's on his knees. And I suspect Jesus doesn't think he's depending on that either. This is not some sleazy Pharisee who's trying to trick Jesus. This is a guy genuinely seeking and wanting to know Jesus. And have a look at how Jesus responds. Verse 21, Jesus looked at the man. You're going to see this a few times uh, in the passage. Jesus looked at the man and he loved him. He said to him, you lack one thing. You can imagine the man saying, great, tell me what it is. Yes, I'll do it, whatever it is. But then Jesus says this, go. Whatever you have, sell it and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Jesus recognized that this man had one thing that he lacked. He loved God. I, have, I, I suspect he did. But he didn't love God with all his heart and his mind and all his soul and his strength. He loved something more. More than God, he loved money. For this man, it was money, it was real estate, it was property, it was possessions. He loved these things more than God. And Jesus knows that if this man is going to hang on to these possessions, he can't follow Jesus and follow him to eternal life. Jesus knows that it was going to forever distract him. Every decision this man would make would be based on how does that affect his investments? How does that affect his property? Every thing he did, every time he would have to decide something would be based on those things. And he'd have to weigh up, 
do I follow Jesus or do I follow uh, chasing up my investments? And what Jesus is saying to him is, I want you to have full submission to me. Jesus is asking for this guy to be his disciple that he needs to fully submit, give up everything that's going to stand in the way of fully following Jesus. And this is what it means. To be a disciple means getting rid of everything that gets in the way of following him. Every choice, every decision based on is this going to help me or hinder me in following Jesus. I think I just want to make a little comment here because I think as an aside, what he's not saying to the guy is do all these things and follow me and that's what saves you. You know, as if it's by works or something like that. I don't think uh, Jesus is not saying that at all. I don't think the guy thinks he is. But it's really important for us because sometimes we go, oh, I've got to do something and then I'll follow, you know, then I'll follow Jesus and by doing that thing, that's what saves me. What Jesus is saying here is there's things that you need to fully surrender so that you can follow me. You need to give it all up so that you're a clean slate to completely follow me. The man's response. Verse 22. The man's face fell at what Jesus had to say and he went away sad and distressed for he had many possessions. You can just imagine as Jesus said to him to sell his possessions and give them to the poor, his face just fell. Uh, The word for sad there is this idea of clouds coming in. They're about to storm. You know, you could see his face just go, oh. He had so many possessions, real estate, and he couldn't let them go. Jesus' one question had exposed what was truly in the man's heart, that he loved possessions more than God. For all his goodness, for all the things that he all keeping the commandments, this one thing got in his way. It's where he had his security. Maybe it's where he found his identity. He wants eternal life, but not at the expense of that. He didn't have the strength to let go of what he was holding on to, transfer his trust and put his trust in Jesus and follow him. So he walks away, forsaking Jesus. Now the disciples are there and they're watching this. And these guys are dumbstruck. The disciples are absolutely amazed by this. They're watching this guy who's wealthy. Uh, We know from uh, the other Gospels that he was a ruler. He may have been a synagogue ruler. He was influential. What a great disciple this guy would have been. He would have had influence. He would have brought some money. you know, And he had all this wealth that he could have used to help keep the commandments. This surely would have been really good for Jesus' mission. And the disciples would have also had an understanding, that was uh, a Jewish understanding, that people who were uh, rich were often blessed by God. There was a special blessing. And their minds are boggled because they're like, how can this guy, with all that's behind him, and he comes to Jesus, and how can Jesus just let him walk away? Jesus just let him walk away. So Jesus looks, again, Jesus looks to his disciples. 
Jesus makes this a moment for the disciples. And he says something, he says something twice. And I think it's really important because I think as he looks to his, uh, focuses his disciples, I think this is Mark saying, here's something for us. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 23. He says, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, see how hard it will be for those who have money to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but in reply, Jesus said again, children, see how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's hard for a rich to completely surrender to God. Why would it be hard for a rich person to be able to surrender to God? Jesus knows that we put our security in our wealth, what we have, what we own, and he knows that it takes so much of our attention. We spend so much time thinking about all the things to do with any of our possessions. Think about how much time you spend thinking, I have to get my car serviced. Oh, I need a new pair of pants. I need to wash my clothes. I need to do this, do that. You know, paint the house. Whatever it, whatever it is we do. Jesus knows that for this guy, this was number one. This is going to take his attention. He's going to get himself wrapped up into it. And he tells this because he wants the disciples to, if you're going to be my disciple, don't get wrapped up in wealth. Don't put it above your own obedience to following me. And then he pulls out this absolute corker of an illustration. He says this, It is easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I have a little needle here, and uh, maybe you can see that there. But what she's saying is, this is absolutely impossible to put a camel through here. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's an illustration that Jesus makes because he wants people to know it's crazy. Now, we can look at this in our modern scientific method and say we could blend up a camel and uh, down to molecule level and all that sort of stuff. What Jesus is saying here is for this rich man, it's absolutely impossible. This man, with all his resources and blessings from God, and he's been you know, theoretically able to keep these commandments, he couldn't surrender everything to Jesus. And here's what the disciples are thinking. If it's impossible for a rich man to surrender everything to God, how can anybody else? How can anybody, anybody submit themselves to God for eternal life? The disciples are beginning to understand what Jesus expects of them to be his disciples. Jesus wants his disciples to know, and Mark wants us to know that to be a disciple of Jesus is costly. This isn't just a question of salvation. This isn't just a question about uh, for someone who is not saved, who's thinking about, do I follow Jesus? This is a question for all Jesus' disciples. Discipleship is costly. It's full submission to God. Discipleship is fully surrendering to Jesus our whole life and following him. Who can do that? It's crazy. It's crazy. I often think of times uh, when I've been privileged enough to share the gospel with someone. But in the back of my mind, I'm doing a Homer Simpson. Because I'm thinking to myself, this is so crazy that you're sharing with someone about Jesus and you're asking them to give up their whole life just from hearing this message. It's such craziness. Jesus demands full submission. Verse 26. At this, 
the disciples were even more amazed and they said to himself to themselves who is able to be saved the gravity is hitting them these disciples are so inadequate the bar is so high no one can do that perhaps peter was thinking you want us to go out and be fishers of men who's going to believe this message you want people to go out and surrender again jesus looks at them and says with men it is impossible but not with god with god all things are possible salvation eternal life is impossible to get on your own it's impossible to surrender everything you have and follow jesus in your own strength it's impossible but not for god jesus saying you need my help to surrender everything and follow me leading to eternal life humanly speaking it's impossible to give everything up it's impossible it's the way the world works is that we continually get ourselves wrapped up in things we continually uh put security we put structures around us that we get caught up in and these things get in the way of us following jesus and making following jesus the number one thing they get in the way of us completely surrender surrendering to me it's like if i want to follow jesus i can walk around but maybe all the things the things that like the money and all the structures and all the possessions they're like a twine that wraps tightly and tightly and tightly around my legs and do you know what happens i fall over i can't go anywhere because i'm stuck i can't i can't follow jesus because i'm caught up in all these possessions and all this money this is what jesus is getting to we wrap ourselves in these things peter in verse 28 began saying to him look we've had it we've left everything and followed you maybe this is peter begging him you know uh, have we done the right thing uh, is our sacrifice worth it listen to what jesus says to his disciples i tell you the truth there isn't anyone who's left household or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel who hasn't then received a hundred times as much in this life household brothers sisters mothers children of fields along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life that's a huge statement that jesus is making have a look at that first bit there isn't anyone who's left household or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel this isn't just about money that was for this rich man This is about anything, any idol that gets in the way and stops Jesus' disciples, stops us from following Jesus. And when I read that, brothers or sisters, mother or father, I think I can read over that really quickly and go, "Oh yeah, that's you know that was for Jesus' day, and you know they would leave their brothers and sisters." Or, but hold on, is that for me too? If I'm putting my brothers or sisters or mothers or father or household above Jesus, I have to let that go. This is massive. I've been reading this passage this week, and it's just been blowing my mind. Jesus wants these things not to be first before we follow Him. 
Being a disciple is not an easy path. It's actually the hardest, hardest path there is. But look as well at what Jesus says that his disciples will receive. They will receive household brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions. See, one of the ways that uh, Jesus, uh, that, that one of the ways I think that this comes through is through the church. When people surrender to be disciples, give up all these things as number one, there's, there can be great loss. And for this man there was, but there's also great gain. Receiving in a community of faith, all these things, households, brothers, sisters. When I've traveled, I've been so blessed to stay with people who I've never met, but we have a great unity in Christ. That's the beauty of the church. It's why we need to keep on coming together and encouraging each other uh, as a church for what we bring. This is part of the provision that God has given uh, for his disciples. Nothing you've left will compare with kingdom life now and forever. The God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills will provide. But following Jesus means trusting in Jesus to take care of things. Full surrender to Jesus says, I'm trusting you that if I let go of this, I'm going to follow you. You're going to take care of what I need. And it may not be what I want, but it may, but it's what I need. And it's trusting Jesus, even if that means persecutions. If we follow Jesus, there will be persecutions from the people, not just around the world or the people in our community, but especially from those closest to us as we choose to follow Jesus. This is such a hardcore passage. It makes me ask, what do we do with this? If we're new, we need to come to Jesus and we need to surrender completely to Him. If we're new to faith, we, be, we need to be willing and we're thinking about this, we need to be willing to say, Jesus, it's all yours. If we're a fair way along, in, in our discipleship journey, we need to keep on asking ourselves, what are the things that get in the way of us submitting ourselves completely to Jesus? It's an attitude that says, Jesus, it's all yours. Sometimes what we do is say, oh, I have to give everything up first, then I'll come to Jesus. What we actually have to do is come with an attitude that says, I give it all to you, it's all yours. Not an attitude that says, I'll give it all to you, Everything except that. Jesus is saying we need to submit everything to him. And that means that we need to be asking God, please help me to be able to do that. Here's my question. Jesus said to that uh, young man, you lack one thing. What if we're the rich man? And Jesus is saying to you and me, you lack one thing. One thing that's stopping you surrendering to me. What would it be? What's the thing that's making your stomach tighten right now? What's the top level filter that you put through every decision that you make? Is it Jesus or is it something else? Is it money? We've talked about money 
uh, in this passage. That's what Jesus talks about. This was the, the thing that got in the way for this rich young man. We are so rich in this country. But sometimes we make these decisions. You know, I'm going to save for a house deposit. I've got to pay off the mortgage. I've got to do all these things. We make decisions. We get ourselves wrapped up in these decisions that play it for a long time. And it means that we don't have time to... To, we get caught up in all that, those things. We don't have time or resources to be generous or we're, we're busy taking care of all those things. We don't have time to follow Jesus. Will we surrender that to Jesus? Is it our career or education? You know, many of us, you know, I know in this church are so smart, can do so many things. You know, for the young crew, you know, you're going to university, what will I do with my life? Have you asked God? Have we asked God, what does he want to do with your life? Can we maximize our career? Can we maximize our business for ourselves or for Jesus? Will we surrender it to Jesus? What about our own identity? Is our identity in being good? Is that, is that what we trust in? Is that the thing we're having trouble surrendering to Jesus? I don't want Jesus to take over my identity. I know who I am. I'm ra- I know who it is. It's my primary identity is based on who I am. I don't want it to be identified with Jesus. Can we surrender that to Jesus? Is it our sexuality? Is it those decisions of going, you know, I'll follow you Jesus completely, but I still want to have sex before I get married? You know, or I'm still going to hand over to you all the issues around my sexuality, who I can have sex with, when, where, all those areas. What is my sexual identity? Do we surrender that to Jesus? Is it our kids? We live in an age where some people say we worship our children. Everything's based around, we change our lives for them. Will we surrender putting our kids before Jesus back to Jesus? Our lifestyle, this is a big one, isn't it? We love to have, and I struggle with this too, we love to have lifestyles that say, I want to be able to do this. I want to be able to go travel. I want to be able to um, you know, have all the freedom and all the options. It's an area that we say, will we surrender to Jesus? Because if I'm traveling around doing any of those things, is there any room for Jesus left? Is it getting married? We long for relationship. Is there, you know, young people who are watching this who are going, you know, I really, I want to follow Jesus. I really do. And, you know, I want to be a missionary or I want to, you know, be involved in church work and I've got more time. But now I've met this person and my priorities have changed. Will you surrender that relationship to Jesus? What about our digital time? I've been doing some research yes, uh, lately. Uh, of our Gen Zs, those aged about 26, 12 years old, 74% of all their time outside of uh, sleep and work and school is spent online. 74%. Now, if you're outside that age group, what is it for you? Maybe you want to jump on your phone and have a look. How much time have I spent online today? If we're spending all this time online in all the ways we do, for all the important reasons that we do, how do we have time to seek God? It, we, it, it has an effect on our focus. How do we have time to look deeply into God's Word? How do we have time to pray? How do we have time to go and uh, spend time with people? Is this an area we actually need to look at our, how we're spending our time digitally 
and surrender it back to God. Here's the thing. I name all these things. I struggle with all these things too. It's the constant question we've got to keep asking as God's church. How do we surrender it back to God? And it's like that twine and it's wrapped around our legs. These things we enter into, they stop us from following Jesus. We need to pull out the scissors and cut them off so we can follow Jesus. Consider these words from the previous passage uh, earlier in Mark 10. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Kids are amazing. They have this great uh, ability just to accept things at face value and accept them. And being fully surrendered to Jesus just means taking off all that that gets in the way, all that hinders and just accepting Jesus and following him. And it's hard. And this rich man, he couldn't do it. He forsook Jesus and he walked away. To me, as I've been reading this passage, this passage is a passage about discipleship. Discipleship is costly. And it challenges me to ask, what does it take to be a disciple? What does it really mean today? Because I look through Scripture and I see... Peter and I see Paul and I see the disciples, they're traveling around, they left their homes, they left their jobs, they shared the message of the kingdom every single place that they went, they got persecuted, they got killed. What does it mean today? What does it mean for us to be fully surrendered to following Jesus? I encourage you today, this week, even on lockdown, struggle with this question. One thing I can say is that they did it by the strength God provided. And God provides us that same strength by the Holy Spirit. They submitted, they surrendered their lives to Jesus and he enabled them to live for him. And they were focused as disciples on eternal life. They knew that giving up all these things, whatever they thought they would have to do to follow Jesus, it was worth it. And that's my encouragement today. Surrendering your life to Jesus, it's worth it. It may mean letting go of this life, and I know this is so crazy and it's so countercultural to the world we live in where things are about now, but it's actually going, this life, it's not worth it. We've got to follow Jesus. That rich man lost sight of eternal life when Jesus asked him to give up his possessions and he walked away. What does it mean for us? Do we see a passage like this? I can't, I can't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go there, Langdon. I want to walk away. Here's my encouragement this week. Bring these things to God. Say to God, God, there are these areas that I need to surrender to you. I realize that I'm holding them back or I'm in denial of them or I've totally put them out of my brain. They're even an issue, but I actually need to bring it back. And I need to give these things to you. I need to surrender. Maybe for this, for you, it means some serious work this week to go, actually, I've got to make some changes. Maybe you've got to get together with your family and say, what does it mean for us as a family to surrender to God? It makes me ask for us as a church too. What does it mean if everyone here who comes to church is like that rich man who still comes to church, does religious things, but we're a whole church of people who won't fully surrender to God? What would it look like for us as a church if all of us were completely surrendered over to following Jesus? 
How would that transform our community? How would that transform our lives? And as you pray, rejoice. Rejoice because only God can enable us to give up everything and follow Jesus. And look to Jesus. Remember his words from verse 27 when Jesus looks at his disciples and says, With men, it's impossible. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Wherever you are, will you pray with me right now? Heavenly Father, we've looked at this passage. It is a hard passage, Lord, because you show us such a high calling of discipleship. Father, to receive eternal life and following you, you ask us to surrender everything. Everything. And Father, as we've shared this morning, that man lacked one thing. Lord, show us, convict us, what is that one thing? Father, we bring it before you right now. Father, we lift it to you, God, and ask Lord, that you would take it, take it away from it being the number one priority. If that means taking it away altogether, do what you've got to do. But Lord, we actually want to surrender and follow and walk with you. Lord, we recognize that we actually can't do that on our own. It's impossible. So we look to your strength. We look to your Holy Spirit and we claim the words 